in the top ten. Give me a list of names. I'm a top them. I'm just playing with you. I don't care what the top is. All right, Jace, how you doing today, brother? Good. How are you? I'm doing phenomenal, man. I appreciate you coming on the show, and and, and I'm pretty sure you're gonna be a, a special guest over here because a lot of a lot of people that listen to the show are are in one nine one and and bringing an, an old paratrooper from C Troop on here to talk about experience and deployment is pretty legit. I appreciate you taking some time to come on with us. Thanks for having me, man. It's a pretty cool opportunity to. Uh, I, I actually like texted. Bunch of my buddies that I still have numbers for this morning. I was like, "Hey, man, this dude asked me to come on. You guys got, anything, uh, you know, anything I might have forgot that you remember or whatever?" And there's there was like a laundry list of shit. So, dude, I will stay here for hours if you want to talk about everything. But um, if you if you want to just keep kick a give a, the 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 listeners a quick introduction on who you are and and stuff like that, so they have kind of idea on who they talking to today. Yeah, uh, Jason Kenny, um, was born in. Baltimore, Maryland. I pretty much grew up there and then left when I was in high school. I joined the Marines first. Uh, I was like right after, right around 9-11, something like that. Uh, did four years in the Marines. Got out for like a year, year and a half. Just wasn't really doing shit, just kind of being a fucking knucklehead out there. Um, wanted to come back in because like right, right as I made the decision to come back in, it's like Iraq had just taken the fuck off and like it was... It was just fucking back then, like during this is like during the surge those years when like it yeah. was like fuck, like holy shit, like I'm missing out on something. So came back in. Uh, the fucking army wouldn't give me like a, I don't even know if it's a thing now, but like 11 X-ray contracts, so like an airborne contract. Yeah. Uh, so the, the 11 X-ray, the, the contract, they'll do like a, you have an X-ray, and when you get to Fort Benning before you start basic, you'll either be assigned to be an 11 Charlie Mortar or 11 Bravo, which is a regular infantry guy. Okay. Yeah, so, like, they, so like the way it worked in the Marines was, like, I uh, I fucking was, like, had, like, some, like, code or some shit attached to my name because of, like, the unit I was in. So, like, the way their units work, like, like a battalion landing team, and, like, each company has its own capability. So, like, I was in a fucking amphibious assault vehicle company. So, like, that basically, like, tagged me as being, like, mechanized infantry. So, like, I couldn't get an airborne contract or, like, a RASP contract or anything like Or Back then it was RIP. So fucking, uh, I get my choices were Fort Carson, Korea, and uh, Germany. So I chose Germany, and then I went to the first Army Division, um, and then from there we we deployed Ramadi, Iraq, in two thousand six. Wait, uh, wait, I, you said you said first armored in Germany? Yeah, yeah. So okay, so damn, this is damn, I'm like I'm like old as fuck now that I'm like talking about this shit. Uh, yeah, so first Army Division. So like now they're in Bliss, I believe, right? Yes. I All think right, so, I, I don't I don't know about them dirty ass legs. Yeah, so I was in Second Brigade, First Armored Division. So there was two brigades still during during that time, and I forget where the other one was at. Um, but I, so Second Brigade, First Armored Division was in uh, Bombholder, Germany. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it was actually a really good unit, um, even though you know, like the last fucking twelve years of my life my existence has been all airborne but uh aside from being here but yeah so we deployed to iraq um fucking did that came back um see where else then 08 i went to uh 191 and i was there for five years in sea troop so from september 2008 until uh june of 2013 i was in sea troop um Deployed twice to the OEF-10 deployment and the OEF-12-13 deployment. 
Um, after that, went down to Benning for three years. I was a black hat, so I was working at Airborne School. Um, then I left there, went up to uh, 425, to the Airborne Unit in uh, Alaska. Did my platoon sergeant time up there. And now I am an assistant team leader slash like team sergeant in Fourth uh, SVAB at Carson. Oh, so so uh, I'll, I'll ask I'll ask after after what we're about to do. But traditionally, on every, every episode, I do the gun it where I just ask you a whole bunch of random questions. It's a warm up to the to the podcast, and we'll just see if you're ready to to follow on with the interview. All right? Yeah. Let's, um, do it. let's see the first one. What's your favorite alcoholic beverage? Pretty much just vodka, dude. I'm like a pretty big scumbag when it comes to that. <laughs> All right. If you were president for a day, what would you do? For a day? Yeah. I'd probably eliminate all fucking the ability for social media to like feed people fucking news or like their opinions. So like, no, just, So no news on social media? No news on social media. Like, I, I wouldn't, like, let anyone fucking get political. And, like, it's just the, the landscape right now with, like, everything that's going on, dude. Like, it's just so fucking retarded. Like, I would just – or I would just eliminate social media for, like, a day and, like, the world would fucking collapse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, w- it really would. Um, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? Uh, I would say to live uh, – Probably back where I'm from. Um, I love, I just, like, after being all over the world, dude, and, like, fucking uh, traveling, being, like, you know, going to all these states, countries, and shit, like, Baltimore, Maryland is, has, like, its own culture, its own food. It's very, like, unique in that respect. So, like, there, or pipe dream would be, like, Garmish. Oh, dude, Garmish, bro. Garmish is probably... Garmin's is definitely my favorite place in Germany, for sure. Yeah, man, like yeah. 100%. If you were on death row, what would be your last meal? Fuck, dude. Uh, like vodka, I guess. <laughs> a <laughs> like, meal, bro. Yeah, that, that's a meal, my guy. You know what I mean? That's that liquid meal. <laughs> yeah, dude, if, I'm fucking, if I'm getting ready to get like lethal injection, man, just let me fucking chug some fucking vodka dude and it can be like military special shit too man like you know what i mean like the super cheap shit oh you damn that, that i mean that that's that's the injection right there yeah like i mean at that point dude like fuck it right yeah if you could sit at a, at a bar and have one drink with one famous person what would you bring what who would it be what would you be drinking and why i'm, I'm, I'm gonna guess that you would be drinking vodka but let, let's see if yeah. you surprise me I mean, if those are the famous person, I don't know. Um, not to sound like a, like a super huge, like, bro douche, but probably like Joe Rogan. That's like Joe Rogan or fucking like Dave Chappelle, I, I think. Just because, like, their fucking minds, like, the dudes, like, not only are like, they funny, but like, you know, they're super smart, like, just fucking dudes, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite sport and team? Well, the sports thing kind of fell apart this year, so uh, I don't know. Right, like right now, I'm really I just I, I watch like UFC or like uh, like boxing. I, I just I like combat sports. Okay, do you like football? Yeah, I'm a Ravens fan, like 100. percent Okay, who is the best? Who is the best quarterback of all time, in your opinion? 
the best quarterback of all time, Trent fucking Dilfer from the Ravens. He's he's he sucks. You know what I'm saying? But like he took those dudes to a fucking to the 2000 Super Bowl against uh against fucking uh the Giants. It was just like a, it was a mockery of like a Super Bowl game, but like somehow that dude pulled it off, retired immediately after because he knew he, it wasn't getting any better than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, said, he, just, he said, I'm done right here because I'm not, yeah. <laughs> nothing else is going to happen. Yeah. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Fucking, uh, if it's like army shit, no shave profiles. And like soft- <laughs> you said no shaving what? They're like soft shoe profiles. Oh, and dude. This, yeah. That shit's fucking crazy, man. Like, yeah. and I, I get like really bad fucking razor burn too, you know what I mean? And I, I haven't pulled the trigger on fucking getting one, so... That's probably just like the the old salty like shitty NCO in me, I guess. Bro, you you'd see dudes having uh, no shaving profile, and they have like a shaped ass beard, and I'm like, come on, no, that's not that's not no shaving profile. Yeah, yeah, no, it's. I mean, I guess if you're gonna do it, you know, like make that shit look crisp, right? So you can just go fucking smash at the club, but it's just fucking ridiculous, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you had the power, what regulation would you add or change? In the army, uh, no, no. that's a good question. Um, trying to think. To be honest with you, man, like I, I wouldn't really change a whole lot. Like I would, like federally, I would fucking lift. You know, I, I would make marijuana like legal service members, and I would probably fuck stri- like tighten down on fucking alcohol. To be completely honest with you. And right re- and like regularize it like, Absolutely, like it can't be dude, high at work and stuff like that. I just the you know I mean this is like a philosophical thing obviously but like there's way more like shit that happens as a result of like drinking and driving or like domestic abuse and things like that with alcohol. Whereas like if you know especially now with like working with guys with like PTSD and shit like that and they're using like CBD or like you know THC as like a yeah as a like safer than like all the opioids and all this other shit like that's i would change that but yeah 100 percent. i agree with you 100 percent. that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty uh pretty legit um what's all right the last one now matter of fact this would be the second last one what is the one field snack that you cannot forget to bring to the field i just uh probably like fucking instant coffee man like waking up in the morning bro you can get that in mre bro no, nah, dude. <laughs> I'm talking like decent, like instant coffee. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, like Nescafe or some shit. Yeah, like the Starbucks singles, or that's that's pretty fucking white privilege. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's that's like I just like being able to like wake up and fucking and not even like a snack necessarily. It's just as like a, as an essential for the field is uh, having a jet boil. Yeah, the jet boil. The jet boil makes some money. If you don't, if you're out there, you do not have a jet boil, and you're in the army and you go to the field all the time. Highly recommend you get the jet boil. Yeah, like I I learned the hard way when I was in Alaska, man. Like everyone has jet boils. Like you have to like heat up your water and shit, like just so it won't freeze. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or like you can't, eat, you can't eat the fucking cold weather MREs unless you have a jet boil. Yeah. So, and the cold like, and the cold weather MREs are bomb, dude. Oh, they're delicious. Um. All right. Last one is. What is the best piece of advice that you can give to someone? Uh, I don't know. I would say 
I would say just, I don't know, for like leadership wise, I guess. Cause like when I was younger, I was a dickhead. Like I was, I was pretty bad. Like, but it, it, different back then too. Um, I was just like, to like calm the fuck down. Like the, the competent calm thing is like, that's a pretty big, I've had to learn that like through time. So mm-hmm. like you can be competent. So good at your job and calm, you know what I mean? Cause like your, your patience level with your soldiers, right? Like, yeah. Obviously you're going to have to drop the hammer occasionally, but being patient, I think, especially now with the way like society's kind of like shifted and, and that's not anyone else's fault when they come in. Right. Like just the society, society shifted. So like dudes, it's just, there's a, there's a little bit of a difference, right. With like the young guys coming in. So like, if you can't have that, like, you know, be good at your job and also be calm, fucking take a step back when you want to fucking get mad or whatever. Like I, I think pretty big. Yeah. That, I mean, that's pretty important. And, uh, that finished off the mad minute. Well, I keep saying mad minute cause it used to be called mad minute, but it's gun it. That finishes off the gun it. And we're going to get into the interview and uh, I don't know, just so everybody that joins the army, they have that one thing that is like, I want to join the army. They're like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to be recruited today. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to sign the contract because it's happening. Like what was your, well, what pushed you to join the army, to join to join the military since you uh, started the Marines? Like, what pushed you? What triggered you? Um, I just didn't want to have a normal job. Like, it seemed you know I come like I'm 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 sure you are too. Like, like a blue collar kind of you know background. Like my family, like my dad and all my uncles. Like they started off as like bricklayers and like carpenters and shit. Like, yeah. you know, like my mom worked as a bookkeeper when I was a little kid and worked her way up, you know, over time. But like everyone that like works those jobs, even if it's fulfilling, like they're just exhausted. And, you know, I just saw that every day and I was like, fuck man. Like there's, there wasn't like, it didn't seem like there was anything like, I don't know. There was no adventure to it. Like at that time when you're young, you know what I mean? You want that. Yeah. Like that's what it seemed like the military could provide me, give me like, I could go like do, all kinds of shit, right? Like, that I wasn't going to be able to get anywhere else, you know, just working a job or whatever. So it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like I would be fulfilled if I wasn't going to do that, like, get out there and go experience new shit. So that's why I joined. Yeah, when did you join? Uh, like, 01. Oh, like, was it right, right after 9-11? Yeah, like, like, right around then. Like, right before 9-11, something like that. Oh. So you remember what you were doing when 9-11 happened? Yeah, I think we were getting ready to like, I was in the Marines and we were getting ready to like go on a fucking boat or some shit like that. And like, we were, so we were getting ready to like do like a deployment. We were scheduled to deploy anyway. Okay. So we were going to deploy, but deploy like we were going to go fucking, uh, we're going to go through like, it's called like a med float, like a so we would we would do multiple like training iterations in like different countries have some like liberty calls or whatever so you like stop in like spain and shit and you know get to go out and do stuff so we were already scheduled to deploy anyway and then that happened and we're watching it down in the day room and i'm like holy shit what the fuck is this you know yeah i mean now now to think about it it's fucking crazy right because like every everyone's so desensitized to that shit um but before that, you know, you have like the Oklahoma City bombing. Yep. That's that's domestic terrorism. But this was like, this, this was like, like the fucking deal. You yeah. Know like what what I mean? the fuck? Yeah. Um, 
I mean, did when when you're in the in the Marines, did you go to any cool schools that you like transferred over to to the to the army and stuff like that? Or no. So back then, like we were really bad with like paperwork and like the electronic stuff with like whatever. And so, like, bro, we still suck at that shit today. We we do suck at it, but we're, we're way better than we were back then. But no, I didn't. No schools really like. I think one thing with the army and the Marines that is kind of different is that like it's not really like school heavy as, as much as it is like training intensive. So you, you they they definitely they spend their money on cooler training kind of I guess. Yeah. Because uh, they're they're more tooth heavy on combat power. So like the army is just so much bigger and it can sustain itself. So like a lot of that money goes to like the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel. For, but this is also fucking like years ago, so like it could it could be completely different now. It's just how I remember it. Mm-hmm. And um, so why did you why did you want to get out of the, the Marines? Like, so I got out of the that? Marines because we deployed like three times, but we fucking they were only like you know three months, six months, and like during that time, like we're in Afghanistan, nothing's happening. Uh, so we go to Afghanistan, nothing happens. We go back to Afghanistan to guard the embassy in Kabul. Nothing happens. And then at this time, fucking uh, the invasion of Iraq's happening. And this shit's kicking off. And we're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, we're stuck here doing this. And then that's happening. Like, fuck me, dude. Then got back from that. We went to uh, Africa for like three months. You know, just doing like QRF and Force Pro. Like, same thing. Like, we had... that had just done like the initial push to uh, Iraq. Uh, the unit that was relieving us come in, and these guys were telling. It was one of the kids I went to boot camp with. Like, holy shit, what's up? You know, see him, hey, ripping out, and this dude starts telling me the most fucking insane shit I've ever heard. Like, for one, I've never been in a firefight at this point. I've never, you know what I mean? Like, no life-threatening anything. And then these guys are coming in, talking about all types of off-the-wall shit. Where I'm just like, that's not even. It couldn't be real. Like, that's how fucking crazy it um, And I was like, fuck this, dude. Like, you know. Yeah. So I, I I, I, was just young, too, and I was like, fuck this. I'm getting out, you know, like a lot of guys still do. Um, and that's why I got out. So did I, just, you, I just thought it was all like a scam or like, I just thought it was all bullshit did, at did the you, time. Did you get out and like immediately went to the Army recruiter like, yo, I want to sign, sign me up? Or how, how was the transition in that? No, I got out for a year and uh, – I had a few, like I had a few things like lined up, and I pissed away a couple of good opportunities. To be completely honest, like really good ones. Uh, but I was working in bars and shit, and I was like doing like uh, security for this like this concert place in Baltimore that's it's closed down now. But I was just being like, I was just being a fucking you know knucklehead and shit. Yeah, being you know just being retarded, like fucking getting it there, just you know being stupid, whatever. And then finally, I just got to the point where I was like, dude, I got to fucking, I got to get my fucking mind right. Like, I'm sitting here not doing shit for, you know, an extended period of time. It was fun, for sure, but, like, I, I was just wasting fucking a year of my life. So, uh, I wanted to get back to it. And I wanted to deploy and, like, get what I thought I was, like, robbed of when I was in the fucking Marines. Mm-hmm. So, that's why I came did, back. Did you, um... So like, you 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 get out of the Marines, 
go do whatever you did for a year, then go talk to the army recruiter, get recruiter, go through OSA, go through uh, and all that stuff. Whoa. I didn't do any shit. I literally fucking went from MEPS, got on a fucking plane. No, wait, I went from MEPS, went down to Fort Jackson replacement, and then I got my orders and got on a plane and went to fucking Germany. So I didn't have to what do like. Fuck? Yeah. How, how did that work? <laughs> it's just because, so if you, if you do Marine basic training, and I don't know if it's the same anymore, but like that's considered the hardest basic training, so you don't have to fucking do anyone else's shit. And I think also with, there wasn't like that big of a lapse in time to where like I was able to fucking just come in off the street and, you know, I, I honestly, I probably needed to go to fucking OSA so I could, cause like I was, so like, the, so Marine, so this is a pretty funny thing. So like the army has like, like doctrine wise, like has better doctrine. Like I should have gone to OSA just so I could have learned like battle drills, like fucking how to like, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. having, having a fucking, you know, a nine man squad with two teams instead of a fucking three team squad. You know what I mean? Having like a gun team, you know, or a weapons squad versus having a weapons platoon, like in the Marines, like all those things that I didn't even fucking realize. Like I, I, I hurt for it when I came in, but I, so I basically had to relearn everything on the fly. Yeah. Or like um, where I should have just gone to fucking like OSIT and learned doctrine. You I don't know. know I, mean? I don't know if it's like that anymore because I had I had a a couple guys in my troop in Bulldog that they were uh, they they well, it was actually just one guy. He was in the Marines before, but I don't know. It probably, it probably has to do something with how how long he was out before he joined the army. So I don't know. But that's I mean, to be honest with you, I don't I'm not I wouldn't want to go through Marine boot camp and then go through basic training all over again. Fuck that. Yeah, it would have sucked ass, man. I just like I, I think in hindsight like. Or I should have just been smart, fucking, you know, dig into doctrine. But like, we weren't really big into doctrine in the Marines too much. Like they had like OP versus like you know battle drills, right? So like, you just get really good at those SOPs that are established for your unit, you know, and you don't really think about you know react to direct fire contact, any of that shit. It's kind of like a thing. Yeah, the army is huge on that shit. I see sea troop all the time in the field right next to right next to the troop practicing that bullshit to today. Oh yeah, <laughs> troop be doing that shit all the time, man. I mean, uh, after 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 you spend, what was your rank when you got out of the Marines? Uh, I was a corporal, so I came in as a specialist. So I mean, after spending some time in the in the army, what what were some big differences that you were able to pick up in between the branches? Um. To be honest with you, man, like, if you're airborne or light, the similarities are kind of like the same, like the mentality. It's really more of like a mentality thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, do they have like slightly higher PT standards? Yes. Do they have slightly higher fucking marksmanship standards? Yes. Are they slightly more selective on like, you know, like you can't go in there with with a fucking, without a high school diploma, like stupid shit like that. But realistically, like having been in, you know, 173rd and 425 and working at school and all that, like, when you just see, like, a normal unit, like, you can tell the difference between a paratrooper and a fucking, a lake. Right? Immediately, bro. It's just like that. It's just like looking at a, at a luxury car and looking at a not luxury car. You can immediately yeah. tell the difference. And, and I think that's the, that's kind of the comparison I make with, like, the Marines. Like, you know, you, it's, 
the same. I think it's the same thing. Like, I would probably get fucking skull fucked if, you know, there was like a bunch of Marines sitting in here right now, like hearing me say that shit, like the, <laughs> that like the Marines in the army are the same, you know, but like, honestly, man, if you're on fucking jump status, you know what I mean? You're wearing that fucking maroon beret. You have to be in, sh- in shape somehow, right? Like, so you can't be like this gelatinous fat fuck walking around. <laughs> you, know? you have to be able to fucking get your goddamn parachute and get off the drop zone you know, go to your fucking assembly area. So like, I, I think the similarities are there and that's why I, I've always liked, you know, airborne. So like that, I don't see like the transition for me from like another branch really wasn't like a big deal. Okay. Um, I mean, so when it comes to leadership, right, when you're, you growing up in the, in the Marine Marines, uh, as your, your, on your first enlistment, you start, and kind of like molding yourself on how what kind of leader you want to be, right? And then when you you got out and you came back in the army, it's di- I mean, like you said, it, they're similar, but there's some stuff leadership wise, rank wise, are different in the army, right? Do you think that your leadership approach that you were building when you're in the Marines to now that you're in the army, you think it changed much, or you you basically are the same person still? I'm the same dude, but like I've, I've matured significantly. Like I mean, like I was. I was like fucking the, the turnover in the Marines is like really crazy. So like you have, and like everyone goes from like school of infantry SOI to their unit altogether. They just get like a giant drop of guys that like have been in basic training together. Have been fucking That's weird. So I yeah. So like, and like all your leadership. So like all your, you know, your, your first line leadership, your first line supervisors, your team leaders and squad leaders, they all left at the same time. So I was like 20 years old as a fucking, team leader and like the it was it, it was a it was definitely a much more aggressive culture back then so like me trying to like latch onto that like i'm definitely like if i could go back and change anything i, I would try I, again the calm part and the confident part yeah or like you know and i was i was like that for a while like because i just thought that how i had to be like i just thought i had to be a fucking dick you know what I mean? Um, and that's just, but that's also just the way it was back then too. Like it was fucking, that probably all changed around like 2012 or 13. I feel like that was like when like the big shift in the army happened. So like, there's a lot of guys now that like, don't know that, you know, that's how things used to be. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just got like first starts walking around that are just like skull fucking dudes. And like guys, guys fucking crazy. Like, you know, all this shit's like, no nah, man, that's just how he came up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I feel you. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I've definitely matured a lot. I've calmed down. I've calmed the fuck down a lot. You know, um, I think that's like the biggest thing. Yeah. So in in the beginning of your time one on one, how was how was your reception when you got to the unit and like how 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 were things? It was uh, so they had just got back from the uh, Restrepo deployment. Thank you, too. Uh, sorry, P.S. Uh, they just got back from the fucking uh, Restrepo deployment. So, like, I was like, holy shit. Like, these dudes were fucking wild, bro. Like, they had... So, do you know... Uh, so, like, the one of the guys... Or, like, however many... And I'm pretty bad with, like, paying attention to, like... You know, other... Other than, like, unit I'm in or I've been in, I really don't pay attention much outside of that. But, like... The cop Keating, the Battle of Cop Keating, yeah. like the mm-hmm. guy, like 
fucking 191, like, or they didn't, I don't think they established it, or no, they did establish it, uh, Cop Keating. So they were there, like, they were, like, the first ones there, like, the second ones there, right? So they had been there, they had been uh, the old recce platoon, I don't think 191 has a recon platoon anymore. No, we don't have that. So how how it's built now, it's, you have, you have uh, Anvil and Bulldog Troop, that is just 19 Deltas. And then you have C Shoop that is all, all the eleven Bravos and the snipers with the sixty with the sixty mortar section. And they're the dismounted reconnaissance. They just got uh GMVs, but they're they're basically dismounted reconnaissance and then Bulldog is like the mounted reconnaissance guys. Yes, yeah, so, so so when they had uh the recce platoon, their the name was Hatchet. Hatchet was on they built their own OP, like, in the middle of fucking nowhere, dude. This is out in, like, Nuristan and, like, Kunar or whatever. Um, and, like, these guys, like, they had, like, a pet monkey and shit. Like, <laughs> it's fucking crazy. Like, they were out, the, the Hatchet guys were out there around the same time and in the same area where Lone Survivor had. Mm-hmm. They, they have all kinds of fucking stories, man. Like, wow. it was fucking crazy. These dudes were fucking, like... They were fucking, like, they had gone native out there. Like, it was crazy. Like, they're, uh, so I know I'm kind of, like, going off on a side thing here, sorry. Uh, like, the the first sergeant that was there, and so I, how the fuck did it work? Okay, so when I first got there, C Troop was B Troop. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like, C Troop was B Troop, and then they had just mixed 11 Bravos and 19 Deltas, and then they had 19 Kilos that had... Reclassed to be nineteen deltas Bro, because one nine one. Hey, I, I don't, so, I don't want to cut you off, but do you, did you, were you here for First Sergeant Burns? That was Sergeant First Class Burns, and like he was Bulldogs First Sergeant. Yes, yeah, I was there for him. So, while well, a couple years ago, like maybe two years ago, I did a training event where he came out. He's a Sergeant Major now, and he was telling us about how how one nine one was a whole bunch of tankers, and they're like, hey, we're gonna. Uh, you guys want to be calf scouts and jump out of planes? They're like, no. Oh, well, you're going to airborne school. You're going to come back as 19 Deltas. And he was telling us all about how one I one used to be built. It was like two troop, two platoons of scouts and then one platoon of, of 11 Bravos. That's how it was. Yeah. Yeah, like, it was, it was like, all intermingled. Because, like, before the deployment, before the, uh, the OEF-7 deployment, they reflagged the 1-4 CAV. From first ID. Yeah, exactly. We still have their pictures over there hang up in our troop. Yeah. So, like, I, you know, obviously I got there after the deployment and shit, but, like, yeah, it was, like, it was, it, was, it sounded weird as fuck, like, to be honest. Like, it just, like, because there were guys there that had fucking been, that literally were just in the quarter cab or in first ID, and then they just became dudes in, like, 191. Yeah. So, like, they had... They had been there for like ten years or whatever, you know, and like now they're they have these like gangster ass Iraq deployments, and now they're fucking going literally from what they know of like mount, and now they're in the fucking mountains, like fighting fucking dudes with like orange beards and have like jaundice and shit. Bro, I feel like so, I feel like one nine one on when when I, when the we start for for Scott when we first got in Afghanistan, I feel like one nine one was like. Yo, we're gonna put you in here, and you're gonna figure the fuck out, and just like throw it to the wolves and fuck it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I just I think the brigade was like really different back then too. Like, um, yeah, it was it was fucking 
weird. Like, I, I can't really speak on any of that per se just because, like, like that, that deployment, like, I, I, I know dudes that were there that have, like, crazy-ass stories and shit, but, like, I'd just be telling someone else's shit. But, yeah, like, so, like, I got there. Like, everyone was cool. Like, everyone was super cool and shit. Uh, and then we, we switched over to fucking D Troop. And C Troop's first sergeant at the time was this fucking bad-ass fucking first sergeant. This dude that had been in a fucking RRC for, like, six years. Mm-hmm. Just, like, the Red Reconnaissance fucking the, the Ranger. What? So he had, been in, he had been in 175 from, like, private staff sergeant. Then fucking, once he was a staff sergeant, went to RRC for, like, however many years. Then he was RI. Then he came to the fuck. he came to 191. Oh, shit. And this fucker... This dude, uh, I, I don't I think he might have retired, but it's a uh, Sergeant Major Posse, and they might have pictures of him. Big ass fucking Simone, dude, like insane, like just a fucking like scary fucking human being. <laughs> and he would fucking. So this is the last, not my story that I'll tell because it, it's just fucking crazy, like how wild shit was back then for those guys. He would train a bunch of like PFCs. He would make a fucking SKT, like a small kill team, and he would train these guys on how to be like snipers and shit. And this is real. This isn't like fabricated whatsoever. And he would take these dudes out on fucking missions and they'd sit up in hide sites and he would fucking spot for these guys and they'd fucking be like smoking fucking Taliban shit. Oh shit, dude. And then he would, after like, after like they killed a guy or whatever, he would put them back at whatever OP they were at and he'd put them like on like 72 hours like, hey, you can't go back out because you're on a shooter's high right now. Um, but like these guys would fucking go and <laughs> they'd make like, they'd make shorts out of their fucking ACU bottoms and wear fucking like PT sneakers and plate carriers, and they all had like beards and shit. I mean, it, 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 the most insane, like, <laughs> these motherfuckers have gone native shit you've ever heard of. <laughs> that's pretty funny. That's pretty funny. That's, that's actually very funny. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so how, how was your first deployment with one with uh, one I one? It's the best thing I've done. It's, it's the reason I stayed in. It's the reason, like, I wanted to fucking, uh, stay in and like you know be a leader and blah 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 do all that shit it was the most like unique like i'm just fortunate for one to have been in the 173rd and 191 but then also like do that deployment specifically where we were at because like we didn't we couldn't drive anywhere like our fucking max pros or whatever the fuck they were matt these were just used as guard positions in our cop um we either walked and like pumped everything or we fucking aerosol and so like everything like we, we built you know we, we fucking filled hescos by hand we laid out tangle foot like guard tower like digging in fucking uh in the winter time before fighting season started like digging in the fucking like frozen ground with like pickaxes to make like trenches bunkers and shit it was just like it was like fucking it was like vietnam that's what it felt like it felt like i was in fucking vietnam um, and it was just like the coolest, I mean, it sucks, you know, like fucking obviously at the time, cause you're cold as fuck. Like we were like our, our cops, we were in cop, uh, Kerwar and that was in like Logar province. It's like the most Southern part of Logar province. And it's in this giant like valley, but our base elevation was like 8,500 feet. So like immediately after getting off the fucking bird, just walking to the, to the fucking, uh, so we lived in a schoolhouse, which is, that's another story, but, uh, just walking off the fucking bird up, like, I was like sucking for fucking air. Like, it was like, the, I was like, what the fuck is this? You know? Yeah. And, like our fucking, uh, where we lived, 
like someone had built I'm like you know like UNICEF or whatever the f- built a schoolhouse and this is like Taliban country so they built a schoolhouse for the kids to go to school and the Taliban just shot it the fuck up and blew it up what the fuck right so, th- so that became like so we relieved 10th Mountain and they stood that thing up like we like they literally like I think like they had like 40 guys there and like they were like that was that was another insane fucking shit hearing from them but like yeah, like they just like they they threw fucking, uh, they boarded up the windows because there was no windows. They fucking put sandbags up. Like we, I stayed in a fucking classroom that had like bullet holes and shit in the fucking chalkboard. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd, bro, I'd be like sketched out being in there. Uh, it was it was ridiculous, dude. Like I mean, we'd get attacked at night and like fucking. Uh, <laughs> oh man, dude, we got attacked one night and uh, we had these like uh, these contractors they were coming to fucking uh insulate uh some of the tents and shit for the next winter so they called it like ice cream village because they just put this yellow foam on shit to insulate it so nothing froze and we get attacked we get attacked pretty regularly at night there because we were kind of like down and defilate a little bit so like on either side of the cop you know there's like these hills and dudes would just pull up and fucking just start lobbing like rpgs or like shooting machine guns at us and shit like pkms and like rpks and like one night, one of the fucking contractors, this Filipino dude's like staying in a, on the first floor in like the fucking, the, one of the rooms where like, if like a, the PA came out to visit to check on us, that's where they would stay or whatever. And a fucking RPG, like it's like inert or whatever. It, it, so like the, the booster worked or whatever, it like flew out of the fucking tube, but then like the explosive part didn't fucking explode. So it knocks the fucking board off the off the window and fucking slides under this dude's bed and he, like, <laughs> he fucking gets up and he's just like oh you know like, this dude's like squealing i mean like freaking the fuck out you know he's like high like high stepping it and shit there's just a fucking rpg like laying under his bed you know well i mean what, what happened after that did you guys what did you guys do with the rpg somebody fucking did so i don't remember like this shit like that just happened all the time like we would fucking we would we had a contest with our jtags uh, so they're, they're fucking, uh, their call sign was like big wolf or some shit like that. So they got these tie dyed, like, like, you know, like the t-shirts, like old women wear like the tie dye shirts that have like a wolf on it or something. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, yeah. I know you're talking about They would wear those. And then we started getting uglier, shittier shirts. So like, we all got like unicorn shirts like that and we would like cut the sleeves off of them. And at night when we got attacked, we'd be wearing that. So I'd have like a, a purple tie dyed unicorn shirt with the sleeves cut off ranger panties and then you know you just start hearing it fucking kick off outside so we'd run up onto the roof uh and at the time i carried an m14 so like i'd be on the fucking roof in like a tie-dye purple shirt and like ranger panties like fucking bucking rounds back at fucking whoever's like shooting at us and like that was just like a standard you know fucking thing that, that that's uh, i mean that's kind of crazy dude that that's, that shit blows my mind. Do you do you remember the first time, like your first op operation on that deployment, or like the first time you got into contact? The first, the first tick. So, so I was on. I I scheduled my R and R leave. So this will this will lead into it. But like I scheduled my R and R leave to go visit. You know, at the time, my wife now, but my girlfriend then, uh, and it was right as like I was like I was for sure like fighting season wasn't kicking off yet. Whatever. I'm sitting on her couch, and then like one of, one of our one of our fisters fucking like Facebooks me. He's like, "Dude, we just got in this sick ass firefight," and I'm like, 
looked like Willem Dafoe dying in platoon. I'm like on my knees, like, no, you know, like, fuck. <laughs> uh, so fucking, we get back, and it's like, and I think the first, like, the first one, the first big, big one was Memorial Day. And then, like, so we would always have, like, we would take contact at our cop. And then the first one that I got in was, uh, we were fuck. I just got back from R and R leaves, so like I'm like completely like out of shape. I'm not in fucking patrol shape like I was. And like back, like we didn't carry saws. We carried Mark 48s, right? So if you're familiar with Mark 48, it's basically like a fucking 7.62 saw. Yeah. Um, and that was that was all like theater provided equipment or TPE, whatever the fuck that stands for. But we would carry Mark 48s and then the 60 handheld. So I would always carry four. 60 rounds and then like 500 length rounds of fucking 7.62 and then I carried an M14 so like all that shit I mean dude we were just weighted the fuck down so like my first fucking firefight is my first patrol back from R&R leave and I'm carrying all this shit and we started going west on this this thing called the Trail of Tears and all it was was just fucking hills just hills and like people would cry and quit like I mean like dudes would be like I can't you know and you're like bro like you can't quit like you're gonna die. I mean, if you, yeah. <laughs> like, you, if you quit, there, I mean, what the fuck else are you gonna do? You can just stay there. Like, like, yeah, like I can't carry your shit. Nobody's gonna come pick I'm you already, up. Yeah, like I'm already fucking hurting. You know what I mean? But like, so like, trail of tears. I mean, it's just I am fucking dying. Like, we go to this area that we call the Lions Den, um, and it was a series of like three villages. It was uh, Shaycon, Apicon, and like. Bagom or something and anytime you went like west of like this like I think like the 9-2 Easting or the 2-9 Easting or something like that if you went west of that and you went towards any of those villages it was game fucking on like you were getting shot at like 100% um, and we go to the village they do their thing and I'm, I'm, I'm on like the support by fire the other platoon comes out and then we're walking back and I'm like at this point I'm like depleted I got nothing like I mean I'm like I'm just on like fucking like drone mode and I just hear the sound like an RPG like right before it lands it just has this really like weird fucking sound and I can just hear like <laughs> like that like what you know I like, look up just pathetic and this thing fucking blows up on this hill it's probably like 15 feet above me I'm like oh fuck dude I'm like it was like I would make fun of me if I saw me in this firefight because it just looks so fucking pathetic because I was so fucking drained I had nothing and I like get myself up there to like return fire and it's just ass and our fucking uh our fucking uh our mortarman from the other platoon this dude named schuster this motherfucker fucking ended that shit quick he hung like seven round or no it was he killed seven dudes and hung like 20 rounds dude that's that's fucking that's awesome dude my man did that shit handheld dude like just that is <laughs> fucking crazy bro that is insane that's like, some dope shit right there because if he hadn't have done that, like my bitch ass, I don't even know what the fuck you like. I was I was dying, um, but that was like like the first you know firefight. I wasn't like in the thick of it like the like that other platoon was, but that was the first one. And then the next big one was Memorial Day after that. But yeah, it was it was pretty constant, man. Like uh, I think my buddy. So like I told you before, like I'd ask my buddies like, hey, is there anything I forgot or you want to bring up? And my my buddy had a statistic like 191 for that uh that deployment led 
whether it was fucking whether it was uh, RC East at the time or just all of Afghanistan, like led fucking uh, the country in small arms engagements. I mean, was one of, so like obviously, if you look into the doctrine of uh, reconnaissance, a squadron, what it's supposed to do, right? Um, what would you compare? Like, did you guys do anything at all when it comes to the doctrine and and uh, uh, what reconnaissance troops are supposed to be doing, or you guys are just doing corn operations? Um. So, in OEF twelve, I was I was able to fucking plan and lead um, an actual fucking like no shit like OP that like we didn't get fucking compromised or anything like that. But in OEF ten, like dudes were just slinging lead. Bulldog, during OEF-10, took a lot of casualties and, like, got into a shit ton of firefights, dude. Like, Bulldog fucking, they took the brunt of it and during the 2010 deployment. Really? Yeah. I mean, the, we'll, and, like, 100%. If you look at, if you look at the, at the, if you, when you walk into the, fir- the doors of the troop, you have the pictures of the guys that died in Bulldog, and it's, like, it's Major Bostic. It's, uh, I think, uh, Staff Sergeant Pfeiffer or some shit like that, and some other PFC. So I'm not talking like KIA. I'm just talking like just wounded in action. Oh, okay. Casualties in that respect. Um, but, yeah, dude, like, they, they fucking, like, were getting, dude. Like, they were fucking, one dude had a fucking uh, helmet cam. I think his name was Simmons. And, like, he fucking, I mean, he was killing dudes, like, you know, 10, 15 feet away running around in the fucking the streets of like where they were at. Like they were like, they were fucking getting it, dude. Like the next deployment, OEF 12, Anvil took the the brunt of it. And that's when Sparks and uh, uh, Golans were killed. Um, yeah. And then like Sea Troops, Sea <laughs> Troop was kind of like, just kind of like in there, like in the middle for both of them. I mean, like, but everyone, everyone got their fair share of like, shit but yeah like i mean like you guys like everyone was fucking just straight up like infantry guys like there was no you know uh like like scout tasks or reconnaissance fucking tasks because i mean it was kinetic like it was a kinetic fucking ao like if you if you were going out certain areas your your ass was getting shot at you were getting blown up like that was it that was a guarantee back then did did you did did you lose any guys on your deployment that on that deployment or any of your deployments with one on one (laughs) So we had, we had, we took cash, like we got really lucky, I'm, I'm honest with you, we got really fucking lucky and we took casualties, right, like like wounded in action and we had one guy get shot in the head, a uh, dude named McIlvain, um, he was in another platoon, but he like, he's a, he's like a vegetable for the rest of his life, like I don't know how he lived, but we smartened up to a lot of stuff and we got lucky, man, like I've had close calls like during that deployment where like, you know, fucking bullets like whizzing by my fucking face and shit like that so if i would have you know zigged instead of zagged i'd probably not be in this fucking podcast right now dude i mean regardless if you guys lost guys or not baby but whatever you tell me right now it's, it sounds like some crazy ass shit that you guys are going through man i mean we killed now we did kill quite a few people so like but like we're just honestly we're just lucky that we didn't we didn't have any more fucking killed in that killed in action or any during 2010 like 2012 when uh like sparks and uh golans got killed like they're they're doing a clip or like a rcp or something to come out to where sea troop was at 
and then uh, they fucking and then those guys had been fucking schwacking motherfuckers. I think like almost everyone in Anvil Troop at that time got fucking like purple hearts, mm-hmm. like for like TBI and shit. Like those guys were getting fucking rocked. Bro, you you'll like, look at the pictures at Troop and you'll see like PFCs with like uh, cabs and CIBs, and you're like, dude, these motherfuckers are going through some shit. Well, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's just how it was back then, though, man. Like, when I got, there was, like, PFCs with fucking, like, CIBs and airborne wings, and, you know what I mean? Like, you, like, it wasn't, it wasn't, like, the way, like, you hear about, like, now, where it's, like, someone heard a pop shot, or someone thinks they heard something blow up. Like, dudes, dudes earned their cat, and dudes earned their CIBs, and they could have written 20 more fucking sworn statements to get 20 more fucking CIBs if that were a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they were fucking getting it, dude. Um, before before we started the podcast, you talked you briefly talked to me about your that, that operation where you guys had to do that uh that clearance in Bulldogs AO. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So um, we uh so again so Bulldogs AO was is called uh, Shark C H A R K H Shark District, and you can you can look it up. You can look up on fucking uh YouTube Shark, and like you got like Tenth Mountain and. Uh, first armor dudes that are there. I mean, like, there's plenty of fucking documented, you know, whatever on YouTube. The guys getting in shit there. But uh, we were doing a clearance mission, and so like we air assault, we air assault in. Uh, I forget what the fucking cardinal direction is, but we're like going like the outskirts of like Shark, and we had like you know like a a section that we were responsible for, and I I didn't like. It didn't register with me, like, how fucking crazy it was going to get or whatever, but, like, because, like, some stupid shit happened with the A&A, like, right as we landed. So, like, we fucking get off the Chinooks, you know, we're in our fucking half moon, getting to a 360, fucking just going around doing, you know, your standard fucking making sure comms are good. Um, um, and uh, one of the fucking A&A dudes comes up, and then the Terp comes up, like Kenny, Kenny, Kenny. I'm like, what? He's like, oh yeah, a and a no bullets. And I'm like, what the fuck? No bullets. I'm like, what? And like, I look in the guy's fucking bag, and he had brought like shampoo and a loofah. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, yo, that's like, crazy. They go, oh, no bullets. You know, like shampoo and a loofah. So I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? So. Anyway, we started moving in. We were supposed to be setting up screen lines, and, like, the ANA is supposed to be clearing, like, pretty standard shit. And then we're by this fucking, uh, this fucking cell phone tower on a hill. And, like, me and my guys and my fister are fucking, uh... Is that the fister that you'd be posting about? No, so this is a... That's my buddy that's from another... Uh, so he was in Anvil Troop during 2010. But that picture I posted is him from OEF-12 when he was actually in the platoon I was in. This is another dude named uh, Ernst, and Ernst was a fucking, both those dudes, so one, uh, Rocco, super badass fucking fister, and then Ernst, uh, super badass fister, but this is the 2010, uh, but we're fucking, we're like, we push down the screen line, and then like, there's this fucking, it's basically like a spur with a cell phone tower, and like, nothing's happening, and it's like, almost one of those things now where like, I like, look back on it, and it's fucking dead ass fucking silent, like, dead silent, like, no one's outside, like, nothing, and I'm not even like, thinking about this shit and then um fucking uh all of a sudden from that fucking hilltop just pkm like out the ass dude like all like through the street i'm like i'm like 
peeled up on a wall like holy shit like we're like we're getting it right now my fucking fister is in a doorway with a fucking uh he's in a doorway with like door closed so he's got maybe like seven inches of like frame you know what i mean and like bullets and he's got his head back like kind of like his head like against the door and he's trying to like call up fucking awt or whatever and i just rounds hitting the wall like towards him and the shit is like kicking fucking mud off the wall like if, he, if his head was out like he would have fucking eaten it and he's just fucking there's just rounds like hitting right next to his fucking head um then we had dudes that were fucking doing like that were like flanking us that were basically doing like fucking seat cover return fire flank on us yeah and i'm just like holy shit like we're taking it from an elevated position we're in a street we're trying to get over this wall to get into this field and now there's dudes that are like bounding on us so we take the fucking tube so we had the 60 with us we pull the fucking so we go charge zero and we're hanging rounds within like 200 fucking meters of us that's pretty ballsy that's pretty ballsy and like we fucking were just like holy shit so our CEO calls us back to link back up with everyone else because now they're fucking the other element is taking it like so like there's like multiple fucking like teams that are like a like attack this is like a well coordinated fucking attack right fucking uh took six wounded yeah we took like six wounded in action within like the first like four hours of that shit um but they like it would be like a lull in contact and then and this, this lasted for like four hours there'd be a lull in contact and then there would be like another fucking group of dudes that would come at us from another angle with like rpgs and shit and just start lighting us up again and this lasted you know for however long we get fucking casualties looked up get those guys out of there and then we have to go find a place to hold up for like the next like 72 fucking hours so we find this fucking collot or whatever and then we would again like buy this fucking cell phone tower like during the daytime these dudes would just be fucking shooting fucking pkm at us all day so literally like that just lasted for three days and then we would go and kick out patrols to go clear all through that and you would hear bulldog troop getting into a firefight like a couple hundred meters away so a separate firefight firefight from the one you're in currently and you're just you're just <laughs> like walking by another firefight you know what i mean like yeah. <laughs> just fucking like during that during that the first day like there was a point where i was like we were fucking low crawling to get to another position me uh my pl and uh, one of the snipers we were like low crawling to get to a position so we could keep moving and like they were fucking hitting us and like so close from like pkm fire that like fucking tree branches were getting like, whizzed off and like falling off some shit like it was like like straight up like eib like fucking low crawling like just going like it was just ridiculous but that shit lasted like that lasted that for three fucking days and then we left and after we left now, I don't know if you hear, like, heard about the fucking dust one that happened during that time where, like, those two Navy guys got fucking snatched up. No, I didn't hear about that. So, these two fucking Navy dudes uh, came down from Kabul and, like, went past, like, a and p checkpoint or something. But they went to the area that we were in. The same fucking uh, area that we held up in for, like, 72 hours. So, I guess the Taliban had taken up positions to do, like, a counter ambush on us. And they were waiting for us to come back. And what they got instead were those fucking Navy guys and, like, a thin-skinned land cruiser. So, like, had, like, a dishka set up and shit, like, fucking lit this fucking land cruiser up, kills one of them, 
kidnaps the other one and then puts him in a fucking trunk of like a silver opal. And then, so we're, we're back down in Kerwar and then like dust one, boom, fucking now we're fucking going back to that same area to, to go look for these Um, and then they ended up dropping the body off and fucking, uh, Anvil Troops AO. Like they like dumped him in a fucking wadi and like burned him and shit, like burned him alive or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I, I, the thing I remember specifically about the dust one thing, like nothing happened with that. Like I don't know how we didn't get lit the fuck up, but we air assaulted on top of a fucking mountain. Like I had to jump out of the back of a fucking Chinook, one of this like fucking peak thing, and then like walk down two thousand feet to like get back to like whatever the base elevation was to uh, start clearing all the fucking like small village shit. But yeah, that was uh, that was that. So, I mean, all these stories you tell me, they're, they're cool, right? They're cool. They're, some of it's funny, but it's, it's some serious shit that have been happening uh, through all, all these years that, that, that are that on this war. And the crazy thing is that, like, we lost a shit ton of people. We, like, you, people are getting, we're getting shot all the time. Like, what goes on in your mind today? Because we just signed a piece with the Taliban, right? But what goes on in your mind that, this shit been going on for so long and it still hasn't ended and we're still losing people. We're still getting shot at. What, what, what's some shit that goes through your mind when it comes to that? Um, I don't, I mean, two things. The first one is that like, you know, people like dehumanize them, right? Like the Taliban or they're still fucking people. So there's still some like, I don't know. It's weird. Like I always said that the smartest dudes weren't the guys that were working with us. It was the guys that were trying to kill them. the guys with the most conviction, the guys that could read and write the guys that had money, you know, like they weren't the guy that, uh, they weren't in the ANA. It was the Taliban, you know, and those are the guys with the most conviction and they didn't want, we had to offer, they didn't want, we could help you like, you know, modernize your agriculture or your, your irrigation system. We can provide you a fuck, uh, your, your medical ability, your fucking village. We can like provide you equipment to like modernize yourself. So like kids aren't getting fucking gangrene in their legs and getting legs chopped off. You know, I don't know. I mean, but you could ask the same question about like people are still committing the same shitty crimes in America, right? Like why are people doing that? I don't know. But what I do know, and there's good insight uh, when I was just down at JRTC, we had a SF major talking to all the uh, team leaders, assistant team leaders, and then like my company commander and uh, first sergeant. And like one of the things they said, like insight wise, about you know why, why is the ANA the way they are? Well, and I'll just take it as fact because like it just makes much sense to me at least. Like these dudes, like they have no stake in it, right? Because they just need money. Like, their family's not seeing them fight. Their fam- like, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're, they're, there's no, like, glory or honor in it for them. Mm-hmm. They're also, like, a Soviet system. So, like, where we have, like, you know, we have, like, disciplined initiative and things like that where, like, you know, junior leaders and small leaders are encouraged to make decisions. If there's, you know, if there's no fucking order or somebody freezes, like, the real leader's going to come in. Right? That's how we train. That's how we're fucking successful. Well, they don't have that. ANA doesn't have that. Unless they have, like, you know, a major or a lieutenant colonel or something making that decision for them, they're not going to just on their own be like, hey, guys, fucking, you know, 
the PL just got popped. We got to fucking, we got to, you know, flip base of fire and fucking maneuver on these guys. Like basic shit like that. They don't have that. The other thing is, like I was talking about, like their families, these guys aren't, these guys aren't fighting, uh, like where they're from. So they have no honor in it. So like what incentive do they have if they get their legs blown off or they get mangled and then they go back to their village now like their daughters can't get married and their family fucking crumbles. You know what I mean? So whereas like the AUP and the ALP have more, they're, they're embedded in their communities and they're fucking, they're from there. So people see them. So it's more like a, like a tribal or like kind of warrior culture kind of, uh, I guess, mindset. And that to me kind of answers a lot of questions, not so much on the Taliban, but on like that, on the ANA side. Mm-hmm. Cause you're always going to have, you're always going to, they're going to want to fight you. You know what I mean? That's that, that'll never be in short supply. They're, like the ideologies of like our Western civilization and you know the Wahhabism of like the, that general that, like Islam that they hold on to, like Wahhabism, which is like very fundamentalist, like old school. That's going to clash a hundred times out of a hundred. So like there will never be a shortage of dudes that want to fight us, but we do have an issue like you know like prioritize like having like the Afghan uniform police have more of a role and. Maybe they need to restructure like how the ANA is like set up and how they fight because I think that's a that that insight that I heard from that paper makes more sense to me than like why are we still fighting? Yeah, you know what I mean. I got you, but I mean, throughout all your deployments with one I one, even even uh, on uh, your deployments with four two five and in the, the Marines, what do you think was the toughest experience that you had in, throughout those deployments? Um, I'd say like in Iraq, cause Iraq was when I actually like first like experienced anything. So like just accepting the fact that you could die or, you know what I mean? And then just still just like, like death was a possibility kind of thing. Like a hundred percent. Cause once guys started dying and getting fucked up then I'm like, dude, this is fucking real. Holy shit. You know? Cause it's like. I don't think guys think about that shit. You know what I mean? So like it's accepting fucking death and just being like, kind of like glossing over that and just have, you know, just still maintaining like a positive, uh, outlook on everything, I guess. Was it, was there a time that you're like, dude, holy crap, this sucks, bro. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm going to make through this shit, but this fucking sucks. There was a, there was like a few like firefight shit where I was like, dude, like Jesus Christ, like fucking where you like, do like the, like the nervous, like uncomfortable laugh afterwards. Um, there's, there's, there's been a few times, but I mean, like, it's just luck, dude. Like, cause all gunfight, gunfights are just angles and elevation. Like there is no, like, there's no like John Wick shit happening or, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's good planning. There's, you know, relying on like training and then there's just instinct and fucking, you know, cunning and just having like good people on the ground. Like, dude, like, no guarantees. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, was there, was there something that you used as, like, motivation or, was, like, drive going through those deployments? I think each time there's, like, something different. Like, like when I had, you know, like, I wanted to get back to, you know, my, my wife now, my girlfriend then, right? Um, then, like, the next deployment I had my daughter, um, and she was only, like, three months old, like, when I left. So, like, I wanted to make sure, like, you know, I could come back and, be there for that and, you know what I mean there's always like some different motivator because like life changes so like your motivating factors are going to change but I mean just not dying would be like pretty sick too you know? 
Yeah. So we talked about this in like throughout the podcast about like how how paratroopers are. You can easily tell the difference between a paratrooper between a regular uh, soldier. But I mean, in one in at least in one on one, I don't know about the guys in Italy, but at least in one on one. You'll see guys moving on to next assignments, going to next units, and they will be far ahead of of the of their peers. Like straight up, they'll be better in better tactically, better shape, better leadership styles, better uh, work ethic, and stuff like that. And um, and you you also see guys, lots of guys will will go to RASP, will go to RASP two, and they'll get picked up to go to that. They'll get picked up to go to SFAS, the Special Forces Q course. The civil affairs, whatever the case is, do you think that your time in the 173rd put you ahead of your peers by the time you got to your new unit, or it, at that time back when when you were here was kind of different? Everybody was just doing the same thing. No, nah, there was always guys going to like selection and uh, like rasp and all that shit. It's just because you already have, you know, I, I don't think people realize this. And people like shit on airborne and say it's fucking like not or you know it's not relevant or some whatever like fuck that like you know you still like people don't realize this shit like when you're downrange you still do airborne shit like you still do like uh cds drops like standard delivery system but there's still aspects of that you still do like pathfinder operations granted air assault isn't airborne but you still do all these like you know air mobility things so like that's you know whatever so like those things like those planning factors like understanding that like it it just it makes better fucking soldiers and like something as simple as like fucking you know the, the stupid ass thing called like LGOP or whatever the LGOP, like that, yeah yeah like the little group of parachutes like that sounds fucking dumb and i hate it but it's true like because you can get three guys they have to already like have a basic understanding of like land nav or like terrain association so they're doing all those like basic soldiering things you just get three of these guys together on the drop zone right one of, one of them, if they're all the same rank, one of them's going to take or one of them's going to be the leader, even if he's not a leader. So you already have that. You know what I'm saying? You have, you know, you're in a high-risk training environment, so you're jumping out of fucking airplanes. So you already have a level of, like, bravado and, like, kind of like the alpha mentality already there. Even if you guys don't realize it. You're jumping out of a fucking airplane. It's a high-risk training environment. More people die from jumping than do on live fire ranges. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, you already have, like, an added layer of, you know, danger, of uh, technical proficiency, right? Just put it on your fucking parachute harness, correct? Having jump mastered. Like, you, you have an added layer of being a subject matter expert and, like, taking pride in yourself that, like, you're not going to get really anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, also, too, like, when I was a fucking platoon sergeant, like, because, like, 173rd and 425 are similar in the fact that, like, they get really like they get edited down with uh, staff sergeant promotables and uh, hard stripe E7s in certain time. Um, so like you end up getting like your sergeant major can literally hire dudes like the way like and like when I was a platoon sergeant like if you didn't have a jump if you didn't have a ranger tab or you weren't a jump after like you there were very few fucking platoon sergeants that weren't tabs jump map. Yeah, one out one out one was was kind of like that until like our new squadron commander came. But we wouldn't we we wouldn't have PLs that most of our PLs were all were all tabbed. Lots of them were were either on the way to German school or already German school qualified, 
And especially C Troop, I don't think I I, I even think to this day C Troop does not have a platoon sergeant that's not tabbed or jump master. Like that's at least all the platoon sergeants are at least jump master qualified. But speaking of platoon sergeant, uh, you were at Black Hat in 2016, right? Yep. Were you there with uh, when Biddleburn and uh, Gaddis were there? Yeah, Biddle was in the uh, same company as me. Really? You in the uh, C Troop? In C Company? No, we talking about. Uh, we talking about in when he was in 191. Wait, what? You're talking about because Biddle Brown was in Bulldog Troop. I thought you were talking about Biddle Brown when he was a Black Hat. Yeah, Biddle Brown when he was a Black Hat. Wait. Yeah, he, 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 uh, so we were in Charlie Company in uh, 507th. So dude. I was in a uh, second platoon and he was in fourth platoon. Were you, did you have a, were, were you there with uh, Matranga? Yeah, dude, Pauly. Yeah, he, he, was, he, he was my Black Hat. Gaddis was my, uh, Gaddis jmp would me one time. And uh, Biddle Brown, he was my Black Hat too. Yeah, Matranga's like one of my best friends. Dude, um, well, yo, I, I mean, they, the first thing they told us at Airborne School about Matranga was, uh, don't ask him about the ear. So I'm gonna ask you, like, what, what, what's up with his ear? Like, what, what happened? If you want to hear like the most gangster ass fucking combat stories, that like, if one, you know, like another thing I've learned, man, like, there's you. Everyone's been through some shit, and there's dudes that have been through the shit. And Matranga is one of those guys. Like, if you want to, if you want to hear some shit, dude, get him on your fucking podcast. I have no contact with him. If you can hook me up with him, I'll definitely hit him up. But yeah. I just, want, I, don't, I honestly want to know what happened to his ear. It's, it's fucking crazy. Like honestly, like it's. Uh, I'm gonna have to have him on. I'm gonna have to have him on to ask him about it. He's yeah, man, for sure. Like. I mean, if you want to like laugh your ass, I mean, you're, he was your black hat, so you know. But I mean, if you want to laugh your ass off and hear about some of the most insane fucking combat stories, like that dude is like, it's like, it's some wild ass shit, man, for sure. Um, yeah, but I'll, I'll forward you his shit, but he, I'll let him tell. Man, it's like he, it's fucking crazy. He was always in some like in a bad mood. Every time you see him, he was in a bad mood. But he was funny sometimes. He was that. But he would tell the joke. And he would just keep a straight face and not laugh at all. But it was the funniest shit I've heard, like, forever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, that dude's funny as shit. But, yeah, like, I, he, I'll have him, I can have him tell you that story, man, because it's fucking black. Like, he, the first time he told me about it, dude, like, I was, like, sweating. Like, just listening to it. That's crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I got to have him on here. I got to have him on here. Um, yeah, it's fucking, it's wild. But, yeah, I mean. We've been recording for about an hour and ten, and I got one more question left, right? And right. um, but what are, what are some lessons that you learned throughout your all your deployments that you usually you that you use today to mentor your subordinates and use it on your current job as in, as in uh, in the SFAB? Um, I think one of the the biggest things that I that I have implemented here is the. Uh, is not micromanaging and letting, not micromanaging and then like letting these guys take as much ownership of, you know, when we're doing uh, MDMP or true bleeding procedures, uh, let them take as much ownership of it as possible. So like when, the, the way we do it here, so like we have a 12 man team and right now we have nine out of 12, but every it's, it's all by war fighting function. So we do troop leading procedures by warfighting function. So, you know, we'll get the five paragraph order. We do MDMP, but like we found that troop leading procedures are 
more effective for us down at the team level, but give them as much of uh, the plan for themselves, you know, as possible. I mean, there's still like, you know, there's still like basic accountability and like all like the leadership, like all the normal leader stuff, but like the ability to like uh, let these guys do as, as much, like way more than they would be able to do in a normal, like rifle platoon or company, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Um, Give them like that, that, that flexibility to fucking actually take the plan and make it their own, brief it, uh, like that, I don't like. I I got really lucky too, man. Like I have like I work for a good team. Like my whole the whole company I'm in is fucking phenomenal. But like my team leader's awesome. Like all the guys that are in my team are fucking straight. So like I don't have to fucking like do much in the way of like uh, not leading, leading. Like if we're out there, like we just got back from JRTC. So like when like the situational stuff happened, where like you know there's like basic shit, like we're taking casualties, and I go back into like platoon sergeant mode, and you know start working up the fucking, you know, the normal... Yeah, the nine-line, all that shit. Nine-line, all that bullshit, like, fight the fight, all that. But, like, outside of that, for, like, these guys, like, I have, like, a, seven subordinates that are all fucking, like, straight, you know? And so, like, I don't... There's not much that I have to do. So what I can do is just give them... Is take a step back and let them have as much... As much of the fucking pie as possible. Yeah. And that way, get back out the force and they're all platoon sergeants and shit like they'll be better for it and they'll have a better understanding of like you know the planning process and execution and all that other stuff do you, do you know what you're going to be doing next um if i made master sergeant um go take a company i want to like i'd like to finish uh go back to airborne school potentially and fucking finish it out down there i mean that's a pretty sweet gig being being black airborne school Sounds like pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, I, I the one thing I didn't do last time I was down there was like be a jump master or pathfinder instructor. So maybe like that would be a thing I could like finish out my career that way. And then you know, I'm assuming you got your reef already, do you? Your uh, your master rated wings? No, so I have I have senior rated. Um, I need like 20 more jumps to get fucking master. Um, and it's crazy too because like people are always like, oh, you're on the 173. You must have jumped a lot. Like, no, no. fuck no, dude. Yeah, like we would jump like uh, shit. We would jump like quarterly because we were under rule three all the time. Bro, I, I mean, on the, on the, especially when deploying all the time, it was a lot. It's hard as fuck to jump over here because the weather in Germany, it's like it'll rain, snow, be sunny and windy all in the same day, and you're like, okay, whatever. But yeah, it's it's pretty hard. We do a lot of Chinook jumps. Like most of my jumps are are not uh, high performance. Because, yeah, but it sucks because you can't because you still need the high performance to go to jump master. So, yeah, but it's always good getting elevators in and just doing fucking Chinook because then like you don't have to worry about fucking you know cheetah flipping off the side of the aircraft or becoming a tow jumper. You just fucking walk off the edge and yeah, dude, like barely feel the opening shock and shit. So yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show, and and it, it's it's been an honor to have you here because you, you you were fighting in the same unit that I, I'm in right now, and I mean, I'm sure the listeners were pretty pumped to listen to your podcast, and I'm pretty sure when I post this out, it's gonna get a lot of views. But like, like again, I appreciate you having coming on the show and sharing your experience with us with us, man. It's it's pretty dope. Yeah, man. Thank you uh, for uh, reaching out to me and uh, asking me to do this. This is pretty cool, dude. I appreciate oh, it. I got one last thing. 
what's the what's the story behind the picture with like the masks and shit? Uh, which one? Uh, there's just fuck, dude. There's a picture with you, like I saw on Instagram. You guys are in front of a in front of a a, a vehicle and you guys have like some masks on, like some some Halloween looking ass masks. I don't know what the fuck they are. Fuck, bro. I need to find this shit. The only one I can think of is uh, where like one of our fisters had the Green Man costume. No, I, I saw that one, but it's not that one. Uh, dude, fuck, 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 fuck. I need to find this. Bro, where is this shit? I saw it in your page, dude. It might be down towards the bottom. Nah, I went all the way to the bottom. That shit was not there. Okay, maybe it wasn't yours. Never mind then. That was stupid. I'll edit that out. I'll edit that out. Yep. I'm definitely going to edit that out. All right. I mean, I already stopped recording. So, um, yeah.